Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. DMs always open. Got a question, got a topic you want us to hit. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Just your daily or midweek reminder that... uh. We want to make sure we are looking out for our mental health, meaning asking yourself, what does my mental health need? How's my mental health doing? Do I need to maybe clear my schedule, drop the bar for myself because I'm doing too much, pushing into burnout, maybe need to build in a little more leisure, some joy, some pleasure. And uh, let's remind those around us to do the same thing. Got to be checking in with ourselves. Um, I'll keep reminding you all to do that. It's my job. It's my job. All right. We're going to open the show by talking about... um, ADHD. It's a lot of things that people can relate to. Some people are struggling with it diagnostically or otherwise. And, uh, you know, again, it is something that can get in the way for some individuals in trying to really participate in their lives in meaningful ways. They're distracted. It's hard for them to remember things. It's hard for them to maybe stay grounded or focused. But again, these are elements of life that all of us can kind of relate to. So we're going to talk about how to really work with that. But again, this is applicable to everyone. Because at times, all of us are going to maybe feel distracted, not grounded, or as though we're trying to do too many things at one time, or maybe feeling really overwhelmed by what's ahead of us for the day, for the week, for the month. So it's really about how to shift our relationship to our work environment or our day. And um, I like making all the topics kind of more broad-based. And I love it because looking at a lot of the research on these different topics, everyone's starting to weave in things that are a little more trauma-informed, self-care-focused, and truly mental health-centered. And that's a shocking thing for some people to hear. Well, how would something about you know ADHD and how it impacts your life not be mental health-centered? Well, in fact, a lot of these terms come from a pathology model. It's rooted in the medical model, which is you're bad or broken or you're disordered if these things are happening. These are normal elements and aspects of all of our lives. But some people more so. And so, you know, a lot of mental health actually exists on a continuum where more or less we can relate to elements. Some people meet all the criteria, but all of us can maybe meet a few of them. And that's how diagnostics work. You have to hit all these elements for you to truly meet the criteria, but that doesn't mean that some people don't maybe meet four out of the five. And a diagnosis might say something like you need to meet three of these five and someone might say, but I meet two. So am I a light version of that? Well, maybe it's all in the spectrum just because you don't meet all the criteria criteria doesn't mean you can't relate to what the work is or the treatments are. 
Because again, our brains are different. And that's also a commentary on the fact that we're using more of a neurodiversity paradigm, which means there is no right brain to have. There's no correct brain to have. No one has this magical brain that we're all trying to get to having. Um, we all struggle with the same different elements and pieces. It's just some people more so, more chronically, more acutely, and in ways where they meet the criteria. But that doesn't mean we don't all relate to these different elements and aspects. And that's what the neurodiversity paradigm is trying to say. You're not broken or disordered. It's just a difference. And that doesn't mean it doesn't maybe negatively impact your life or make it harder, but it's a difference, not a disorder. And how can we better work with it until we create the kind of world that can accommodate all those differences? So if you're overwhelmed, distracted, whatever it may be, this is, this is going to be a show for you at some point in your life. So Looking at the research, one of the things we talk about in order to better work with these ADHD-based symptoms, whether you identify yourself as not, um, it's about how you start your day. Now, that's a general self-care mental health tip anyway for all of us. How you start your day is going to impact the quality and your ability to be present and grounded for the rest of the day. During early pandemic, I would talk a lot about how to be more mental health-centered with all that was going on around us, because remember, a pandemic it was about all of a sudden working from home. It was about all of a sudden being around a lot of different individuals that we weren't familiar with ourselves having to be around or cope with. Man, what a shift all of that created. And all of a sudden our stress levels were higher. We were trying to manage more because again, maybe we're working from home and the kids are going to school and our partner's over there and like just so much going on. So it was a lot of new stimuli and stressors, again, inside, outside the home, both at the same time. Quite an interesting convergence of a lot of things and we really had to look at our resilience and um, make some changes and so I was talking a lot about how to kind of create that separation of home and work how to try to start our day off at least trying to collect all of our resilience and resources knowing what was ahead of us um, but one of the things I was noticing in general, but especially during that time, is people were like hitting the ground running. And I'd say to people, wait a second, the way you enter the day will have an impact on how the rest of the day goes and how the rest of the day feels. Let's be thoughtful about that. I myself was having to call myself out. Is that how you say that? I myself was having to call myself out? Awkward way to say it. But I also was having to look at my relationship to these topics. And what I noticed is that I wasn't slowly easing into my day. So my nervous system was expected to go from zero to 60 within seconds. That is very overwhelming. And that is a very scattered, chaotic way to begin a possibly scattered and chaotic day. And if we can slowly ease in. So what did that mean? Well, I was telling people, Delay looking at your phone and your emails. Just give yourself a few moments to wake up. Maybe even before you get out of bed. And again, this is what I want us to continue to do. Just like lay there for a second. Like <laughs> we don't have to hear the alarm or wake up and jump out of bed, which is again what I was doing because I just felt the pressure of all that the day had ahead of me. And I thought I had to get to it. I got to get started. Lay there for a moment and stick around for a moment. As I say, let's practice that presence. We're going to be back. Stick around for it. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we're back and uh, we're talking about how to work with ADHD or people that relate to some of the symptoms of it, being distracted, not able to stay grounded, um, feeling overwhelmed. And I was rolling it out and rolling it out and rolling it out. Because again, I think a lot of these elements, when we're in a time of complexity and a time of chaos and a time of stress, we can all very much relate to the different brains, not disordered brains. No one has a disordered brain. Your brain is maybe different pluses and minuses because all the diagnoses that historically made us feel like we were disordered or broken and needed fixing all have strengths and weaknesses. Everyone's brain and their characterological style, their personality style, how their brain functions has deficits and strengths. They're differences. There's no right kind of brain to have. We need to get away from that idea. So if you're diagnosed with something, you're not broken. You don't need fixing. You need to learn how to exist in the world with that kind of personality or that kind of brain. Because a lot of these are the result of trauma, genetics, things that are outside of our control. We should never have to have shame or stigma applied to us. And we can all relate to all the different symptoms of all the different things that we historically saw as disorders. We all have elements of that. We might not meet the full criteria. We might meet most of them, some of them, a few of them. So and I was kind of rounding this out where in pandemic, I wanted us to apply the same things we're going to talk about tonight. Um, so we're talking about neurodiversity. We're talking about ADHD. And we're again talking about how to stay grounded in these chaotic times. But we want to just ease into our day. We don't want to hit the ground with stress already in our bodies. When we pick up our phone and we try to already jump right in. Well, that's what we're doing. And so that's why we say delay picking up your phone, delay looking at the text messages, delay checking your email. Just take a few minutes to lay there and wake up and then climb out of bed and have some kind of a routine. What do you do first? Go get some coffee. Maybe open the blinds and look outside. Take a deep breath. Maybe you go take a shower. And again, we're not even turning the news on yet. We're just taking a moment to ourselves because it's also a reminder of mental health. It's a reminder of self-care. Move slow. <laughs> slow down. And so that's the first thing. We want to start the day in a relaxing way. We want to start the day focusing on something that makes us feel good. Because we're, we're, we're always trying to center those things anyway. We're always trying to normalize those things. So build in a little bit of a routine. We don't want to start the day, like I said, off on a very chaotic foot where we're trying to do a thousand things at one time or we're rushing around. Wake up early enough where you can do this. And this is something that maybe requires getting up five minutes earlier, 15 minutes earlier. Maybe you can just build that in. Maybe you need to go to bed five minutes earlier or 15 minutes earlier to feel like you can give yourself that time, whatever it needs to be. It's an important thing. The way we start our day can often impact the ability to be present and how we manage the rest of our day. Um, so, so check in on that. 
Because as I always say, the quality of your practice determines the quality of your life and the quality of your relationships and all that. But so does how we structure our day and how we run it. And I want us to feel a little more grounded and in control because there's a lot coming at us. I mean, think about all the things that are coming at us every time I turn on the news. I listen to the news with a mental health lens or a trauma-informed lens. That is who I am in the world. I cannot not do that. And I'm seeing all the different things that are happening around us in terms of you know new diseases that we're worried about, new pandemics, uh, what's going on in the um, economy and with jobs and all sorts of things. And I'm immediately thinking of who within my practice is gonna be stressed out by that, the impact that's gonna have on their mental health globally, the families that they're participating in, the worlds that they're participating in, their employment. So I'm always paying attention to that. And every morning I'm going, yikes, it's more threads getting woven into an already difficult time. And so again, the way we structure our day has to accommodate for that. Delay seeing the news and seeing all of that. Don't bring, bring that right into your nervous system like with the emails. Slowly ease in, center moving slower, being more grounded. Then when we think about what we have to do for the day, this is so that we realize what is doable and that we can master the day. Break your day down into tasks. Here's what I'm going to do first. Here's what I'm going to do next. And in panning out, because I'm a big fan of panning out and looking down when you have it on paper, you'll see how much you can do. And you'll be able to say, wait a minute, that's too full of a day. Or look, it all fits in. And I want you to say to yourself as you're looking at that plan for the day where you're breaking down all the things you have to do, which is going to be part of decreasing our anxiety. So for those that are having an anxiety disorder or feeling stressed, that's a great way to do it. I want you to also look and say, where, where am I building in breaks? Where am I building in a little bit of pleasure? So we're planning, we're breaking things down. And that's the best way to deal with anxiety and to ground ourselves when we're in a time that feels very overwhelming. What I thought was really interesting, a lot of the research I looked at is it kept coming back to two key points. And again, this is for all of us. This is for those of us that are very stressed and chaotic. This is those of us that have ADHD or any other neuro difference. These aren't disorders, they're differences. Um, start off with the more difficult tasks and start off with some things that give you the best success at mastery. So we wanna build in things that we know we can do and we know we can pull off because we don't wanna start off our day feeling failure. So don't put in things right away that are gonna be maybe hard for you and you might not succeed at finishing or completing. You wanna start off your day being like, I got that done. I feel mastery, I feel confident, I feel empowered, and also things that maybe are gonna make you feel good, if possible, because we're building upon, right? The whole day is, is a building upon, and we wanna have a very firm structure that we start with, because again, remember, our experience of all the different things that are happening throughout the day are gonna impact how we feel about what's coming next. If I had a day where I've been accomplishing a lot and I feel like I've mastered everything and done well, when a stressor pops up or I know a stressor's coming, I'm gonna be like, okay, well, I just managed all that. I can manage this as well. We don't wanna do the inverse, which is an interesting thing that also came out of some research in the medical field. So it's a little bit of a parallel example that I think is a really meaningful one. When we talk about, and again, I, I wanna, try to get this correct because this is a little bit outside the scope of my field. But when they train doctors and nurses, they say, do whatever's going to be most painful first. And as you go through whatever's going to be necessary, if you're you know, dealing with uh, helping someone with a wound or some kind of treatment, do the most painful things first so that each step is moving away from pain. Don't build up because people will notice and feel it building and they'll expect more pain and then they'll start tensing and it'll be even more hard. It'll be even more difficult. Start with the hardest and move towards easiest. 
And that's why, again, we're, we're starting with things that we can master and we're starting with things that are going to, ah, we got to take a break. Okay. We're going to come back and talk more about this. A little bit of a cliffhanger, a long-winded cliffhanger. Stick around there. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about how to better structure our days in service of our mental health. Also, you know, again, the whole the whole driving force of this was, you know, the ADHD brain and people that relate to feeling not grounded or overwhelmed or trying to manage too much and kind of packing a lot in there. But we were saying that start your day slow. Um, also, plan your day so you can see how much you can do and that you can get a lot more done maybe than you realized. And then you can also make sure you're building in some rest and some leisure. And then we also talk about how you should do the harder things on the front end so that the day gets easier as you go. Don't build up to it because that anticipation of difficulty will be weighing on your mind and in your body. So start with things that are going to be hardest first, but also things that you can master. So you move forward knowing it's going to get easier and with that confidence having succeeded already. And I was saying in the medical field, that's how they train doctors and nurses. Do the procedures that are going to be most painful first and work your way out and away from that. Don't don't do things that are going to keep building more and more pain, moving towards the most painful because people are going to expect it. They're going to amplify it and they're going to tense up. That is the wrong way to go about doing it. We want to apply that to our mental life as well. How our days start and each thing that happens after is the firming and strengthening our sense of mastering confidence and competence or the opposite. And we want to build a firm foundation and everything we do is, is, is adding to that or eroding at that. And also it just has, gives us something to look forward to if we're getting the hard stuff done first. And also we start our day with the most energy and the most focus. And so that's what those more difficult things are going to require also. So it really makes sense to do it that way. Don't have that looming over your head at the end of the day when you're more tired, more burnout, and you've been carrying the anxiety in your body of looking forward ahead at knowing that's coming. So bam, do that. Okay. Uh, we talked about that. So mastery, things you can succeed at. Um, also, again, part of the scheduling is knowing that we have the time to get things done. Um, and again, looking at the research, I thought this was kind of interesting. It was saying if possible, and again, not all this is always doable. Not everyone's schedule is set up at their leisure or, you know, based on how they want it to go. Sometimes we are just dropped into what other people have planned and decided for us. I get it, but this is for those that can work with it a little differently. Um, also find ways they say to make some boring tasks a little more fun or novel. And again, some people are probably rolling their eyes going, good luck with that. But I do like that idea because when I talk about people that don't necessarily enjoy their jobs, I'll say to them, is there a way to change the way you relate to it? Is there a way to change your perspective on it? Because sometimes we overestimate the complexity. Sometimes we dramatize and we realize, well, it's really just an email that needs to be sent. And even though it's annoying or frustrating, it's not that deep. You know what I'm really being asked to do. And so sometimes it's about just kind of cranking down our relationship to something, dropping the intensity of it. Um, or finding new novel ways to do it. Maybe do it in a different space. Maybe do it around coworkers. Maybe play some music while you're doing it. Maybe eat something sweet while you're doing it. You're allowed to build in some fun and joy while you're doing hard things. I do that all the time. When I'm not doing therapy with my patients, I try to play music while I'm doing things. Like I wanna have a fun sing-along or maybe I'm eating something or I'm at least sitting in comfortable clothes or in a very comfortable environment. I'm not gonna make it harder for myself. In fact, I do therapy in sweatpants because it's comfortable for 
for me. Yes, I'm wearing a dress shirt, so waist up, I'm performing professionalism. Sometimes, sometimes I'm casual in a t-shirt with a baseball cap. I don't believe that my work is determined by how I'm dressed, and I, and I actually challenge that, but my pants and everything is gonna be as comfortable as possible. I'm not gonna uh, make the day harder by wearing restricting clothing, uncomfortable clothing, sitting in an uncomfortable chair. I have comfortable seating, comfortable pants, comfortable temperature, and I do the best I can if I'm up against something hard or, you know, it's a long day. So apply that. Stop wearing uncomfortable things to work. Stop wearing uncomfortable things in general. Start wearing things that feel good to you. That was something that was really radical for me, and I was shocked I never considered that. I realized I was wearing things that were really not comfortable and were very restricting in general, not just for work. And I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to wear more baggy clothes, clothes that are more, like I keep saying the word comfortable, but the word's really about more pleasure center centering pleasure more in our lives. How can we do that? How can we make our room feel better to us? Do we need to change the art, paint it a different color? Like really take that in. Everything matters. What we're hearing, what we're seeing, what we're smelling. That's a real that's the best way to really frame it. Pay attention to how all of your senses are engaged or exist within those difficult times or even outside of them. Does the room you work in, could you make your office more pleasurable or your home office or your home in general more pleasurable by changing the wall color, by hanging something on the walls that make you smile or make you laugh, by having things on your desk around you? Something that was magical for me is I started having fresh flowers on my desk. I loved the smell. I loved looking at them. It was soothing. It reminded me of what's important. It made me smile. It felt more like mine. The clothing I'm wearing, the flowers, the temperature, all of those things do matter. They're small pieces, but they affect our total impact. I'm sorry, those are small pieces, but they have a larger impact and affect our experience. That's the way to say it. So pay attention to that. Check in on the senses. Um, all right, coming up next, we're going to do some DMs. So if you got a question or a topic for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down link for Loveline and click on it. But we'll be back listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris. I'm in an open relationship, and we've been together for about four months. It's going great. They're in the military, so in a few weeks, they're going to be stationed somewhere, and I'll be home. I told them that I plan on dating while they're gone, but they told me that they aren't going to do the same, and that made me feel awkward. Oh my God, I'm the only one. I almost feel like I'm cheating, even though it's an open relationship. Is that just me? Uh, I get it, but relationships aren't supposed to be about fairness or equality or balance. It's supposed to be about what do I need and what do they need? And that's never always going to really be in balance. Your partner is basically saying, I'm cool. I only have the time and energy and interest in focusing on you. And you're saying, thank you. That's awesome. But I actually want to have a diverse set of relational and sexual experiences. And so I'm going to date others. Great. That's what works for you. Just like household chores. Not everyone's interested or a good cook. And so we don't say, well, sorry, it's about fairness and 50, 50. So if I'm cooking, you got to cook. No, you say I'll cook and you do the trash and clean the bathroom. I don't know. It's about equity. Equity, not equality. Equity doesn't mean 50-50 fair is fair. Equity means everyone gets what's right for them. Everyone gets what they need. If you're taller, then you don't need a little booster. You don't need to worry about the person in front of you or the seat you have, right? It's not like, oh, well, sorry, we all get, we all get the same things. It's like, well, no, what do you need? And we make those adjustments. Some people need the seat in the car pulled up forward more, and some people need to push back. 
like we all have different needs. We all, some people like spicy food, some people like less spicy. So it's like, who am I? What do I need? Who you are is someone who wants more sexual and relational diversity. Awesome. Your partner doesn't. Cool. You don't need to be twinsies. You know what I mean? That's the worst, the worst way to go about something. If I'm doing it, you have to. If I do, you do. If I eat it, you eat it. No. If you like vegetables, that's what you get for dinner. And if he just wants whatever, then that's what he gets. Just because he has ice cream for dessert doesn't mean you have to. Just because he likes to go see horror movies doesn't mean you have to go. It'd be cool if he did as a partner, but if not, he'll go with his friends. Equity. What do we need and what's right for us as individuals? Some people, believe it or not, one person's monogamous and the other person isn't because that's right and honest for them. And they say, I don't want to be with others. And the person's other person says, but I do. Great. Then we each do what's right for us. I go to the gym. You don't like the gym, so you don't have to. I like getting up early. You don't, so you sleep in. <laughs> like we apply that to pretty much everything, but somehow we get real thrown off around like sex and dating. No, apply that across the board. It's about equity. What do you need and what's right for you? And that is what you go after and own that. You can say to your partner, you know, it made me feel bad that you're not doing that, but I realize that it doesn't matter. And that if you wanted to, you will. And I do, and I will. And that it's okay if we're not always doing the same thing, that would be a very bizarre expectation. We're different people and we have different needs and I'm glad that we're healthy enough to allow each of us to do what's right for us. Thank you for loving me. That's the answer. That's where you should land. So embody that. But sure, you're allowed to share your feelings. I like transparency and vulnerability in relationships, but don't make it a problem because it isn't. Your partner is like, cool. It's all about just informed consent and transparency and letting each partner know what they can expect of the other. So this is actually a good sign. Um, I wouldn't want your partner forcing themselves um, to date because you feel as though you need to, you know, I want people to go after what they need and what's best for them. So be where you are. I mean, this is, a, this is, that's what a healthy relationship's about. Each partner trusting the other to make the right decisions for themselves, but true trust, but true trust is also trusting or believing that they'll make the right decision for their partner in the relationship in addition to themselves and that they'll keep all those pieces in consideration. That's trust. I don't have to worry about you. I don't have to go through your phone. I don't have to know where you always are because I know that you're looking out for yourself, but at the same time, you're looking out for me in the relationship. And if you don't feel that way about your partner, you have a bigger problem. You're with someone you don't trust and you got to work on that, either learning to trust or leaving them because they're not worthy of trust. But in a healthy relationship, that's how it goes. hundred <laughs> percent. We don't police. We don't track. We don't attack. We don't set arbitrary rules on them. Adults don't put rules on adults. They basically have boundaries. If you look out for me in the relationship, I'll be here as long as you do that. And when you stop doing that, we'll talk it out and we'll see where we go. Um, all right, y'all, that is our DM. If you got a DM for us, helping yourself out while you're helping others out, pop that question into the DMs on our Loveline IG page or topics you maybe want me to hit or drop deeper into. We love a good circle back. Sometimes I drop things quickly and people are like, well, wait a minute, I wish you had said more. Let us know in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We're always here to hear you. And then uh, past episodes of the show, you can go back and re-listen, take me on a drive with you, hiking at the gym, whatever. That's over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Stick around, though. We got more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And we're just talking about how to work with um, distractions, chaos, uh, what some might call the ADHD mind, whether you're diagnosed or not. It's a lot going on around us in our, li in, in, in our lives, excuse me. So this is something that I think is really applicable 
to all of us and we can relate to this. And we were talking about how you start your day will impact the quality and the mental health centering or decentering of your day. Start slow, move slow. Um, I realized I would jump right out of bed and now I lay there for a few minutes and then I get up slowly and I have a routine before I even check my phone, check my computer, turn on the news because that's going to already activate my nervous system because there's rarely good things coming from those resources. It's usually stressors and labor and all sorts of things. Um, also planning out your day to see that you can get it all done or maybe taking some of the things and scattering it on a schedule throughout the week to know that it will get done. It just won't get done today. Also scheduling things helps us do a couple other important things, which is, um, letting us know whether or not we need to build in more, more rest or some self-care. Uh, sometimes we're unaware of how much we're packing in cause we haven't like seen it on paper, but also the focus can then be, let me do the most difficult things first so I can get it done. When, especially when I have the energy and the focus, which is going to be at the beginning of the day, not later in the day when I've had to do more. Um, also then you don't have the weight of the things that are harder or less fun on your shoulders because you're knowing it's waiting for you and you're moving towards it. We want to do the hardest things first and slowly move towards the easier things. So first we want to do things that we know we will accomplish and give us a sense of mastery and confidence, but also that are harder. We don't want to do it the inverse. Don't do the easy things first. Do it opposite. But somehow we tend to do that. We're like, oh, I'll come back to that. It's like, great. And that's going to be weighing on your mind. And you're going to be waiting to do it after a long day. Don't do it like that. Uh, break it down into little tasks. Put it on paper. Uh, what else were we talking about? Talk about paying attention to the environment in which things are happening because that's a way to kind of shift our experience of all the things we have to do. And I said, use your senses. What are you looking at? Is there any way we can change that? Paint the walls. Put something on your desk. Fresh flowers. Hang something. Something that makes you smile. Something that, you know changes the environment in some way that makes it more pleasurable because that's that's the goal wearing clothing that's not uncomfortable or restricting a lot of people don't think about those things uh what are you seeing what are you hearing what are you smelling can you play music in the background in earphones all of that for me has been uh, has really been meaningful and so i always have music tied in i always have fresh flowers wherever i'm working um, I pay attention to what I'm looking at. I pay attention to what I'm wearing. I'm always wearing comfortable clothing now. I'm, I'm not trying to be fashionable or cool. I'm trying to be comfortable. I'm trying to center pleasure. Days in life can be hard enough. We don't need to make it harder by working in stark offices with just white walls or boring art or nothing fun on our desk um, in clothes that make us feel uncomfortable. Um, also, some of the things that came up, which was interesting, is having an accountability partner, someone who you kind of check in with, you know, um, not in a way that's distracting because that can also be it. And also, I want to talk for a quick second about uh, multitasking. I bring this up often. It's a myth. We can't multitask. In fact, it makes us less competent and it slows us down if we're trying to do multiple things at one time. It, can, it, it, it actually decreases our productivity by about 20%, the studies show. Because that transition from thing to thing to thing to thing, from here to there and back to here or to something else, that's lost time. And when we get to a new task or back to a former task, it takes us 
for sometimes up to 15 minutes to bring our focus directly back to what we were doing and to pick up where we left off. Even though it seems like you're right back where you were, you truly aren't. And now that I was tracking and paying attention to that, I noticed that. And so they say things like close your email, turn your phone off, but the distractions of an email ding or a text message coming in and, and even worse, looking at it and reading it is slowing you down and killing your productivity and also stressing and burning you out. Do one thing at a time. So when I'm working, my phone's off, my email's closed, and I do what I'm doing, and then when I'm ready for that, I stop what I'm doing when I'm done, and then I attend to that. But we don't wanna be doing multiple things at once. Things fall through the crack, we lose time and energy and focus in that transition, and it takes time and energy to really like dive back into the new task or returning to the task that we had stepped away from. Multitasking is horrible. And you'll see employers and HR saying, oh, we're looking for people that can do multiple things at once and multitask. That's a horrible thing to look for. Look for people that focus on one thing at a time and complete it before moving on to something else. But that also means not checking your emails, picking up your phone or looking at your text messages while you're focused on your work. That is considered a form of multitasking. Don't do that. Not everyone can. Some people's jobs do require them to be doing all the above. That is unfortunate because that is not a winning way to successfully get through the day. It burns us out unnecessarily. And like I said, we lose focus and productivity upwards of 20%. Not a great thing to do. Um, all right. We, when we come back, we're going to keep talking about this. But later, we'll be doing some more DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions you got for us, helping others as you're helping yourself, always anonymous, always confidential. Um, questions you have, topics you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back to, let us know. Also, past episodes of the show, always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. That's where all the good stuff is because it's all about that repetition, unlearning and then relearning. Got to pick up those gems. But um, we got more to come, so don't go anywhere. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about how to ground ourselves in chaotic times. We're talking about how to stay focused while distracted. We're talking about how to work with the ADHD mind or a mind like it because we all have elements of this. Life is hard. A lot of things are going on. We're working from home. We, we're managing multiple things. We're talking about starting our day off slowly and kindly. We're talking about building a firm foundation upon which everything else is going to happen. We are talking about taking in the quality of our environment and knowing that that impacts how we feel about what we're doing and our mental health, having nice things around us, wearing comfortable clothing, maybe adding in fun by having some music, some nice things around us. Talked about the myth of multitasking, how that's actually horrible. Don't try to do that. Don't seek that. Do one thing at a time. Uh, maybe having an accountability partner, but more importantly, putting everything down on paper to see what I can actually try to accomplish today, making sure I can get it, what I need to get done will get done, that decreases anxiety, or maybe doing a weekly plan. Also looking at that to say, hey, I gotta make sure I'm not burning myself out, you know? Um, we're starting off with the most difficult tasks first. We have the most time and most time, focus and energy to do that, knowing that we don't want that at the end of our day when we're tired and burnt out. We also don't want that looming over us with a little bit of anxiety. And we're also doing things that we can master so that we move forward into the day also with some sense of accomplishment and, and, and confidence and mastery. Um, and then I love this one. For some people, it's really helpful and important for them to maybe do more on the front end and then leave a day or two that are lighter or even take a day off. You're working from home. Maybe do everything Monday through Thursday, take Friday off or make Friday the light day. Build in your schedule. Do the harder things on Monday and let it lighten it up as you go and make Friday the lighter, funner day. 
that's going to be great for your mental health. That's also going to be great for your system because whether it's the day or the week, you want to start off with the harder things and then you see it getting easier as you go down the line through the day or through the week. It's always going to be the best solution. We don't want to have the harder things waiting for us. You know what that feels like when you're like, oh, what time is it? Oh, I'm still going to have to. Oh, I'm tired now. Oh, I'm going to drink more coffee. Don't do that to yourself. That's anxiety inducing. That's also really bad for your nervous system. It's bad for those around you. That's also how you burn out. That's why these days I'm all about putting everything down on paper to be like, how much can I expect myself to actually do? That looks like too much. Let me move that around. Take some things off your plate. I always say this over and over, 70% max, because we're not trying to live in burnout. Going on a vacation doesn't help with burnout. It's a break from, and then you go right back into. It's, it's but a break. We need to change our entire system. And we can do that in little microwaves and macro, but at least little microwaves based on how we're stepping into all this. But things like a day off or a weekend are breaks away from a burning out, a burnt out system, but it isn't actually something that changes the system. And so it's not enough to just say taking days off, going away. That's all good. Take your vacation, excuse me, take your vacation time, take your sick time, but that is not changing what you're returning to. And you'll know that it'll pop in your mind. You'll be reminded, you'll be triggered. You might not even be able to relax on your vacation or your day off. That's why it's important to know I'm actually going to change my entire relationship to all this, doing the hard things first, going from hard to easier, making the end of my week or the end of my day, the simplest and easiest making sure you're building in rest, making sure you're building in some fun, wearing comfortable things, having nice things around you. All those things matter. We can find some joy and happiness within these structures or periods of times that aren't ideal or aren't necessarily the most mental health centered. Because I'm trying to do it. We got to do the macro changes and the micro. It can't just be that it's on our shoulders. We also have to change the way we relate to the system, which is why I'm telling parents, don't have your kids try for perfect attendance. That's a horrible, a horrible thing to normalize, that you showing up all the time and, and productivity is what your worth is tied to. Let them take a day off, let them have some fun, normalize that, self-care, mental health centered. Um, I, 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 I see that all the time. Um, there was this, this, what really brought this to my forefront was I saw a social, uh, a Facebook article about a student and it was about getting perfect attendance and how he went to school even when he was sick. And I was like, that's horrible. Why are we rewarding that? Stay home when you're sick. You should give awards for people that focus more on mental health and self-care and aren't there every day because they took a day off to do something fun because their grandma was in town. Yeah, that's more important than school that day. Or they didn't feel great or they were having a hard day. I want parents to say, let's stay home and go get ice cream and go to the park for the day. You'll, you'll, you know, we'll make up for that time next week or you'll be fine without that one day. Yeah, let's normalize that. We all need to do that. Take your sick time, take your days off, take your vacation time. You're not here on this planet just to work. You're here to have purpose and meaning and fun and joy. We are allowed to have a, a pleasure-centered life. And we're talking a little bit more about that, but we can do that in small ways, again, by saying, what does my working environment look like? How can I make that more fun and joyous? Um, what am I wearing? Again, I say that all the time because that was huge for me, huge. I had never thought to pay attention to how I actually felt in my body when I was wearing the shoes I was wearing and the clothing I was wearing and my environment. Like I said, I now have flowers, cut flowers on all my desks because I have two different working desks. I also play music that makes me feel good. I make sure I eat a lunch that also makes me feel good. I make sure I have a snack. All these things matter. I make sure the temperature is comfortable. I don't valorize making things harder 
as though crashing into bed, burnout and exhausted and miserable with no energy left is a good thing. I wanna come home at the end of my day and still have energy left over. I do 70% max, I want everyone to do that. Otherwise, you're living in and sustaining burnout. This is for the ADHD brain, this is for people that are living in chaos, this is for people that are just dealing with all the things that are coming up. When I turn on the news, like I said in the morning, I'm looking at how some of my clients are gonna be coming into my office that day and that week based on all these things that are gonna be woven into their psyche and their nervous system. Economy stuff, employment stuff, environmental stuff, massacres and shooting sprees stuff. That's all gonna be on their minds and in their bodies. And I prepare for it and I'm like, as though enough isn't already happening. What new pandemic or virus or bacteria are we worried about? It's all gonna be in there. <laughs> and I don't see it all lightening up, you know? All right, we're gonna come back, talk more, and then we'll be doing some DMs, so you all know the drill. Got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Put in there also topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. Love you to get your needs met, always anonymous, always confidential. We'll be back though, stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all, so don't go anywhere. Oh, Rachel, we're back talking about ways to deal with complexity, uh, chaos, the ADHD brain, things that feel like that. Talk about a lot of different things, starting your day off right, moving slowly, planning things, doing the hard things first, paying attention to your environment. Another one is limiting distractions. We talked about that a little bit in terms of multitasking. Don't do that. Don't try to do that. Do one thing at a time. We have a robust research on that, uh, but also limiting distractions. Like I said, in relationship to that thing about multitasking, having your emails up or open is, is a distraction. You're getting pulled away. Um, have your phone turned off and flipped over. Check it on your lunch break. Check it every hour. Check it breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whatever your jam's going to be. But we don't want to have our Tinder sitting open, our email sitting open. That is a distraction. Uh, for some people, distractions actually help though. For some people like me, I actually do better when the TV's on. I do better when I'm working in a coffee shop with people moving around. It actually centers me. But for some people, it's the opposite. They're looking at who's coming in, what they're doing, they're paying attention to what's on television, they're getting distracted by a news story. Turn that stuff off. Another thing that has helped me at times is also having headsets. I wear headphones when I'm at a coffee shop reading and writing so that I'm around people while apart from, but I'm not distracted by, because I'm the type of person that if I hear certain things in someone's conversation, I start to listen. Not an eavesdropper, but because I hear it in my ears. It's an auditory function and I start thinking about it. Um, and so we can be with while apart, but you have to ask yourself, do I do better while there's stimuli around me or am I pulled away from what I'm needing to do? Another thing is taking breaks. Every hour, get up and walk around. Every hour, stand up and stretch. Every hour, get up and move your body. Sometimes your distraction is just that you need to move a little bit. Sometimes your distractiveness is a sign that you need some new stimuli or that you need a break from. That's huge. Some people think I'm just gonna sit here and bang it out for hours. No, your brain can't work like that. It can only do focused attention for an hour max. It's usually about 45 minutes to an hour. Every hour you need a break and especially every three hours. And that's why what's great is in academia, a lot of people realize that And every hour, every three hours, they're like, we'll take a five minute break, get up, walk around, get some water. But if that's not built in, go do it. There's very few times in our lives when we can't at least get up and use the bathroom 
or get up and get some more coffee. Those tend to be very normalized. Even if you don't want coffee, even if you don't need a water bottle or some water, even if you don't need the bathroom, go do it anyway. Very rarely are we gonna be told we can't use the bathroom. Do it as a way to move your body, go for a walk, take a break, do some breathing. Maybe it's a way to pull yourself out of a stressful environment and ground yourself for a second. Do that. Do what you need to do. That's one of the biggest things I say when I would lecture is I'd say to people, do whatever you need to do to regulate yourself because we're trained in our culture to sit still and to not move. That is not normal and that is not healthy. And that's why I lose my, I I get so frustrated when kids are diagnosed with ADHD because they can't sit still through eight hours of school. We're not supposed to be able to. That is too much of an expectation. And often these topics aren't even interesting. Children are meant to move, but so are adults. So when I lecture, I'm like, stand against the wall if you need to. Walk around the back of the room if you need to. Lay on the floor if you need to. You're an adult. Do what you need to do to regulate yourself. I'll trust that you'll take care of yourself. But we need to stop... Um, over-validating stillness. We're not meant to be still, but especially not children. Children aren't supposed to be able to sit still with focused attention for the entire duration of a school day. But we're shaming and pathologizing students as though they should, saying they're disruptive because they can't sit still for a boring lecture for a few hours. What is going on? We're trying to make robots. No. Let our, be kinder with ourselves, be kinder with people. There's so many things in our lives that are about stillness. You go to yoga, people are adjusting and forcing your body. The gym, school, we have to start to honor what our body needs. That's mental health center. That's also body positivity. Don't shame yourself because you're not able to stay focused or sit still like other people can, because that is not what we're meant to do. We are meant to go with the flow of our energy, not work against it. And if you need to move, you need to move. I was traumatized. That's right. I'm using that word traumatized in school when I was yelled at because I had too much energy. There's no such thing as too much. Sorry, folks. That's the amount I have. I don't choose that. And I need to learn how to work with it and accommodate it, not have it shamed and not have me shamed. That is, that is, that's, tra- that's trauma. That's also violence. <clears throat> and we want to get away from that. If you need to move, move. We need to normalize people getting their needs met and being more body positive and many mental health centered and going with the flow of their energy. I don't, stillness isn't better than activity. We need both. We need to be able to move in and out of both. Um, I'll talk more about that. I'm all about normalizing things that we stigmatize. We are so dehumanizing with ourselves and this vision we have as to how things are supposed to be. I do not know where that came from, but it is not realistic and it is not sustainable and it is not healthy and it is not fair. It does a lot of damage. So we'll keep talking about that. Um, but like I said, when we come back, we're going to do some DMs. So whatever y'all are wondering about, that's your big moment to get your questions answered. And uh, y'all like to flood my personal DMs. Put those DMs though on the Loveline IG page and then you'll get those questions answered because you're helping other people who are wondering or struggling with the same thing. And it also leads to some topics, which if you have a topic you want us to hit, something you want us to cover again or go deeper into because I'm really good sometimes at just dropping something that has a lot of complexity and I just don't really unpack it. Put that also in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of the show is always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. And then you can binge, post, re-listen and share. And um, yeah, because you got to unlearn and relearn. It's all about practice and consistency. But stick around, DMs to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. We'll be right back. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, let's see what y'all sent. These DMs come from our Loveline IG page. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, I've been with my partner since high school, so about 12 years. Bam. I don't know. that I, I, I'm not a fan of that. I'm going to be honest. I think people shouldn't get into serious, committed relationships until their 30s. I think you should spend your teenage years and your early 20s dating, learning about how to be a relational partner, having different experiences with different people, sexually exploring, have a lot of sex, date a lot of people, just do it with consent and compassion, asking the right questions, setting boundaries relationships and sex are developmental milestones. Just like everything else in the world, we need a lot of experiences to get a lot of skills. The reason why we're horrible within sexual health and relational health is because we don't have a lot of experience in practice. And we learn about ourselves through those experiences. So please, if you get too serious too soon, like in high school for 12 years, you're missing out on learning about yourself. And you're only working off of this one person, which limits your development. So just like everything else, if you want to be a good chef, you taste a lot of different food and go to a lot of different restaurants. If you're a therapist, oh, dear God in heaven, I hope you do a lot of trainings and read a lot of different kinds of literature. If you're an athlete, you run on different terrain and different levels of oxygen and um, 
uh, sea levels so that your lungs are challenged and you're learning how to run uphills, downhills. Sex and relationships are the same way. The people that are like, oh, I had the same girlfriend since I was 12 and now I'm 50. It's like, yeah, you're going to be a little immature and limited maybe now re-entering that dating and sex world. So I'm not a fan of that. However, let's get back to your question. Been together 12 years since high school. Man, you missed out on a lot. We've been on and off again that entire time. Some of the time due to distance, some of the time due to arguments. I told them recently that I'm tired of the back and forth and deserve something more stable, which I don't think is possible since we all know, since all we know is instability. Hey, is there a way to make this work? Oh my God, that's your question. It's too broad. I don't really understand what the issue is. All you've told me is you have a lot of arguments and back and forth. Couples therapy. That's my answer. Couples therapy. I have no idea what the specifics are. Um, couples therapy. And I'd also read some good mental health books and use them as workbooks and, and read books on relational health, books about healthy relationships and call yourself out. What am I doing? What am I not doing? Cause that's my answer. Start with yourself, sit down and ask yourself, when I look at myself as a partner within this relationship, what parts of my behavior am I proud of? What parts am I not proud of? Where do I need to work? If you can't identify yourself in that way, we got a bigger problem. You need to be more aware of yourself. So you need to sit down and call yourself out. What do I need to get better at? What is my contribution to these arguments we're having? And let me work on being better. And if you're not willing or able to do that, then you're not ready to be anyone's partner because I expect that of everyone I work with, all of my patients. I will say that to them. What do you need to work on? How have you been as a partner this week? I don't say, tell me what your partner's done wrong. I say, I want to hear from you what you need to do better. And you can do that on your own. And you can do that by using some relational health book as a workbook. Start with yourself though, because if you improve, they're forced to improve because they're now dealing with and relating to a healthier, better partner. So start with yourself. And a lot of people don't like that answer. They want three quick, easy tips. It doesn't work like that. You need to work on transforming the way you are within relationship. And if you're struggling, which would break my heart because I want us to have enough awareness of ourselves where we can answer that, ask your partner lovingly, can you share with me what changes you'd love to have me work on in terms of my partnership and personality and then go do it. If that's not going to work, you can try couples, but that's what couples therapy will essentially look like. And if you're not willing to do it, then you're just not ready. So first start with yourself. That's always my advice to everyone. All the topics I share on the show, I'm like, let's look at ourselves first. Are we doing this? Is this us? Is this something we need to learn before we point our finger? Because until we're doing our work, A+, plus, we can't even begin to worry about what our partner's doing because they're responding to us and they're on the receiving end of us. So step up your stuff and they'll be, and they'll be forced to step up theirs. That's the good answer, you know, because you don't even have to necessarily require anything of your partner, but I'd love for you to be able to sit down and say to them, here's what I'm going to do. And I'd love for you to do this as well. And we'll then inherently improve. It's about practice. The quality of your life and relationship is rooted in the quality of your practice. Start practicing being a better partner. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow, so join us then. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topic, things you want us to uh, hit, circle back, drop deeper into. Love hearing from you. That goes on the uh, Loveline IG page in the DMs and past episodes of the show. Check them out. It's over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Y'all, have a good night. Take care of yourselves. Be good to you, but also those around you. As always, thanks for hanging out. You enjoy the rest of your night. Good night, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 